Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. With us this morning are some people that do some real hero work. LifeWire. Rachel Krinsky is the executive director and Becky is here. She is a domestic violence survivor and a former participant at LifeWire, an active volunteer now. LifeWire has been serving the East Side for over 30 years with programs for domestic violence survivors. Rachel and Becky, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Gary. I'm glad to have you here. The subject of domestic violence, unfortunately, needs attention brought to it over and over again. The tragic truth is most people don't know that domestic violence, you know, is such a, I don't know, large encompassing type. I mean, there's a lot of things we can say about it if people uh, still have this narrow idea from a generation ago that uh, it, what we just call wife beating or something the way I was mm-hmm. raised. You barely talked about it and heard yeah. about it and uh, maybe it was kept down the street. You know, their private business is their private business and that's about all we ever, you know, yeah. somebody my age got to hear Unfortunately, people still don't talk about it very much. We, we have had some attitude changes. I think people no longer condone it. Um, and it's not considered private business that nobody should talk about, but people still aren't talking about it much, and there's a lot of shame around it. And most people don't realize that in their lifetimes, one in four women and one in seven men will be impacted by domestic violence. And that means everywhere you go, in your family, in your workplace, in your children's school, everywhere, there are people who are being hurt by loving, supposedly loving partners. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Um and the other part of it is it's not just physical. I, I want you to sort, sort of talk about today how wide-ranging this really is, the control, the, the mental yeah. and emotional abuse that goes on with this whole thing. But I guess we're going to start with a few basics about LifeWire itself, and then we'll move on, right? So you're the executive director. Uh, can you tell us the LifeWire story sure. and uh, how long, you know, what your mission is, what who you serve, how big a... Absolutely. LifeWire is actually the largest uh, domestic violence service organization in the state of Washington. Uh, We're 35 years old this year, and we have a really comprehensive array of services uh, from an all-hours helpline to individual advocacy, support groups, legal advocacy, a variety of housing programs, and then all the way to prevention and outreach work to try to help change all of the social factors that perpetuate this problem. Mm. And any idea for the listeners how many people need this service or that you do serve? And is it just... The need is immense. Is Um, it Puget Sound area you serve or Seattle? We serve King County and we have partners who serve other parts of King County. So our focus areas are east and north King County, but we will serve anyone who calls. We get over 11,000 calls a year on our helpline. 11,000 calls a year. Um, and we do direct service, intensive service, with about 900 people a year. Um, and that's surprising for a lot of folks because one of the other common misconceptions is that domestic violence only happens to certain groups of people. Right. Um, whereas, in fact, domestic violence goes across all populations. Yet somehow people think that on the east side... Um, which actually does have low-income people and all kinds of people, but people don't know that either. Anyway, it's often surprising to people that on the east side of King County, we have more people than we can serve in every program that we offer. And these programs, uh, Becky, maybe you can talk to this. um, How do they serve people? I guess we can touch on as many as you talk about, but maybe you can talk about one or two, maybe the first couple. When when someone calls LifeWire, maybe that, that hotline number, they talk to a real person. I mean, that's important first, right? Right, right. So, you know, obviously every survivor's experience is unique. Um, 
but I can certainly talk about my experience and from the other survivors I've spoken to, I think uh, a lot of the ways that LifeWire helped me are, are pretty common. So yeah, the first thing I did was call the helpline about halfway through my marriage as things started to deteriorate. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of my marriage, when I realized, you know, something had to change and I, I wasn't, I was really starting to realize I wasn't safe. I called them again and was able to set up an appointment with an advocate pretty quickly and also someone from the LifeWire housing program. So uh, the situation I was in is that, you know, my husband was, you know, emotionally, um, financially and, and physically abusive. And the financial portion for me was um, was really the thing that was preventing me from leaving him in the end and, and, and getting safe in the sense that, he had complete control over our finances. All of our money went into a joint account. I couldn't purchase anything without him finding out. And he was very vigilant about checking everything, you know, every every penny I spent. Um, and then, sorry, just, just as I'm going through this, it's... That's okay. <laughs> it's normally not this hard for me to talk about, but... Um, but to but towards the end of our marriage, I, I wanted to leave. Uh, I, I said to LifeWire that I, I wanted some help to to go, and um, you know they helped me find uh, you know sent me listings of places that were within my price range uh, that I could you know that I could move into apartments. But I wasn't able to because I didn't have access to any of my money. I had a good job, uh, you know. I was I was a contractor at a local tech company making good money and yet I couldn't access any of those funds to get myself out of that situation so um, what LifeWire actually ended up doing was uh, you know using uh, funding that they had to pay my first and last month's rent uh, and even help me pay the pet deposit for my dog to come with me too so uh, in doing that it gave me the financial flexibility and freedom to be able to move out. Wow so Rachel so the the phone call first off and then an advocate and housing, wow, I mean, and money, Yeah, those are steps that, yeah, Becky said, those are out of reach on her own. That's uh, exactly so right. So LifeWire, and, and <laughs> I hate to throw another statistic, a sad statistic in here, but people get killed by their spouses or intimate partners. So, I mean, so many murders are be- with the someone they know. That's right. And so this is life and death. In fact, one in this three is homicides lives. in King County is a domestic violence crime. Yeah. So it's very much saving lives. So these these steps that LifeWire can take, like Becky just pointed out, are saving lives. Right. Talk yeah. about those, some of those I, I will. The other thing that's and, really important about Becky's story is that, as she said, each survivor's story is different. And so... When someone calls the hotline, the helpline, our response is to really be good listeners, first of all, and to understand what that survivor or loved one, people also call our helpline because someone they're concerned about is in a situation and they don't know what to do. So we start by listening and figuring out what really is the most helpful thing this person can do. Um, Leaving an abuser is dangerous and it's scary, and for many people, in situations like Becky's and many other variations, one of the reasons people don't leave is because they have nowhere to go and they have no way to get out. Financial abuse that Becky's talking about is present in 98% of all cases of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, the threats escalate. It can sometimes be a very unsafe, untenable, or economically dangerous situation to leave. And so LifeWire advocates on the phone, in person, um, 
And in person can be in our offices or wherever is convenient for the survivor. We do mobile advocacy. So it's about helping that survivor figure out what in their unique circumstances is going to be the safest and best choices for them. Um, before we go too far, we've mentioned this number <laughs> that, that people call. We haven't given it out. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for anyone listening who has concerns about themselves or anyone else, you can call 24 hours a day at 425-746-1940 or toll free at 1-800-827-8840. Okay, Rachel, I need you to do that a second time because being radio, they didn't in, nothing, nothing showed up on the screen below right. them, so they just went and got their pencil halfway through that, so now you have to I'll say, say it again. I'll say it again. Okay. The local number is 425-746-1940, and the toll-free number is 1-800-827-8840, and you can call any time of day, any day of the year, day or night, for help, or to talk about someone you care about who you are concerned about. Wow. Um, thank you so much for giving that phone number. And then online, lifewire.org, right? Just yes. spelled out, lifewire.org. It's a great website. It's got so much more information there than we can share this morning. And importantly, the website has an escape button. So if you are worried about looking at the website, you can do it and know that in a split second, you can remove it from your screen. Well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was thinking about is... Um, the way people control each other is cell phones nowadays um, keep track of everything, every call you've made. Uh, and a woman can be intimidated that the husband checks your phone every single day or something. Interesting that you bring that up because LifeWire also has a phone program um, in which in some cases we are able to give somebody a donated phone that folks have donated to us that is only for the purpose of communication with LifeWire or parts of safety plans. Um, you know, I want to talk, keep talking about um, the power, the control exerted, because uh, like I said up front, people might think it's just about physical abuse. Mm. Um, if you can describe a little more, either of you, what that encompasses and how that um, frames the relationship in that one person is exerting emotional control. The, the, you said monetary control. Uh, you know, though that kind of abuse... Uh, I. I guess our listeners need to hear a little bit more about what, what that really looks like, how that manifests itself, if you're able to. I guess it's different yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's different for everyone. I, I think from my experience, it was, you know, my ex-husband had a way of controlling things that I said or didn't say, the, the, my my behavior. And it, it, I, know, I know it sounds kind of difficult to understand, maybe if you're not in that situation, but he would use his power, um, sort of physical power, as, as a threat in a way. He would, if if I was doing something that he didn't particularly like, say, sorry, I was bringing up a topic that he didn't particularly want to talk about, and it could be, you know, me wanting to meet up with new friends or maybe hanging out with friends for dinner, you know, we, with him as well, or, you know, perhaps it was, you know, that I wanted to go visit my family. He didn't, he didn't like talking about those things that, you know, gave me sort of additional connections outside our marriage. So to stop me from doing that, he would clench his fists and just scream at me, I'm going to lose my temper and you'll be sorry. Now, you know, if somebody says that to you and someone you know has has greater physical strength than you and you're in, you're in this sort of marital situation, it, it does make you take a step and stop, you know, and think, well, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. Then you just want to keep the peace. Um so, so that was one of the ways that he would control some of the things that I thought and, and I said rather and did. And, and obviously, yeah, that prevented me from 
making a lot of friendships outside the marriage because he would he would kind of threaten me if I if I was going to do that. So, and if yeah, if you don't mind me asking this, and how did you get to the point, or how did you get to LifeWire and find that okay, I can make this one leap, this one jump, because this must be the the hurdle that so many people can't quite take. It takes a long time, some right, for people it to realize does take I, a long time. I, this is wrong. I this can't be correct, and I've got right. to step outside. It does take a long time. You know, I was married for eight years, and the first time I called LifeWire was three or four years into my marriage, and I, I didn't leave for another, you know, four or five years after that. So it does take a long time. Uh, the first time I spoke to LifeWire, I think, you know, I was just looking for some, to be honest, I was looking for some kind of hope that there was a way to fix this situation. Like, I didn't want my marriage to end. You know, I loved my husband. Um, you know, we'd got married. We had the big wedding. You know, I'd moved over to the United States. I, I really wanted everything to work out. And so the first time I called LifeWire, I was like, there has to be a way to fix this. And I just need them to tell me what it is. And didn't really get the response I wanted because, as I've learned in, in the long term, there isn't any quick fix to, you know, domestic abuse. So over those years, it, you know, things did not get better, despite the fact that, you know, I, I tried to make things better with my husband. I tried to get him in at anger management and, you know, we tried to work on things. They didn't get better. And for me, in, in my experience, which again is um, unique, but I think a lot of survivors or many have sort of some kind of pivotal moment where it's either an act of violence towards them or, or a, you know, some kind of financial act where their husband is, you know, perhaps, t you know, taking their money or taking control of their finances where, where they realize that something has to change. And for me personally, it was when my, uh, when my father died in, uh, you know, back in the UK, um, going back to visit him, spending time with family and friends there without my husband and just people, nobody was really comfortable saying, you know, we're worried about you. We think there's a problem, but people would make these little hints that I, you know, including my dad, that, that I couldn't deny that they knew there was something wrong in my marriage. And when I got back to the States after my dad passed, it made me want to look at that in more detail myself. Mm. And that's when I, you know, started seeing a therapist first, actually, who then um, told me that he thought I should speak to LifeWire. So a therapist, and that's great to hear that, that people, professionals can forward uh, individuals to uh, a program like LifeWire. That's nice to hear. How are you doing now, if I'm able to get personal? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what a traumatic life, you know, part, part of your life. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really strange but good now to look back on that in the sense that it, it feels, thankfully, so far behind me. Oh, good. Um, and I, I can really say that, um, you know, thanks to thanks to LifeWire and thanks to all of the great resources that they put me in touch with that I have been able to go on and, um, you know, and recover from all of that and, and not let it define me. Yes, I, you know, I'm a domestic violence survivor and I'm going to speak out on behalf of other survivors and, and people still in that situation. But um, I'm you know, I'm not the victim anymore. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm happily married again now. And I also thank LifeWire for helping me understand through the whole process that, that I went through with my advocate, uh, just having value in myself again and understanding what a healthy relationship looks like. I really, I really don't think I would be in the happy, very happy marriage that I'm in now if I hadn't had all of that support. 
to to kind of get me past that idea of being a victim and into that mode of being a survivor who really can have a good and happy life. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that that personal part of your life, Becky. Uh, We are speaking with Becky and Rachel Krinsky from LifeWire, Washington State's largest domestic violence organization. It's a group that works with the community to provide services to victims of domestic violence and to prevent domestic violence through advocacy and education. And uh, part of her story, Rachel, she did talk about a professional who referred her to that. So you are in the community, uh, right? LifeWire as out there enough for people to realize this is a good place to send people to. And I also, so I want to hear about that, but kind of in the respect that she, we also talked about not having a place to go. You guys have to offer home places to yeah. get, uh, find a rent, you know, and um, uh, an apartment or a place to live. The the aspect or the relationship between homelessness and uh, domestic violence, I wonder if we can touch on that because I, this I is part of that, about that. Uh, <laughs> the issue. I bet people don't even stop to think about how this connects. That's right. And there's actually an overwhelming connection. Um, in the homeless population of women and families, 80% of those homeless folks have at one time or another experienced domestic violence. Man. And domestic violence is one of the top 10 reasons listed for, you know, primary catalysts for homelessness across all populations. There's a tremendous overlay. Um, And yet somehow when homelessness is being discussed, domestic violence doesn't arise as one of the topics in a way that we would like it to. Um, They're very much connected. And there are a lot of, you know, that, that's, a, that's a show in itself and maybe then some. Um, there are lots of things to say about the connection. But I think it's really important in the piece we've been working on, uh, focusing on this year, is the idea that nobody should have to choose between safety and a home. Um, and many, maybe even most of the people who call our helpline are in that terrible position that if they try to leave the person who's hurting them, they risk homelessness. Yeah. You know, um, King County, I think, uh, had a 10-year plan to end homelessness. I think we're past it now, <laughs> or well into it. And uh, do you, so do you guys advocate part of this with the county and with the, the state Absolutely. who are trying to do different— th- I mean, there's a lot of projects and a lot of organizations trying to end homelessness, and it, they all— you're right. They all tie together. There's a lot of, you know, poverty people. There's a lot of race relations groups. That, and they all sort of need to mingle together to find one, you know, an answer. It's, we it's do very mingle together. Um, I think there's actually a lot of collaboration and a lot of talking. Um, my background is in family homelessness. That's that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. And I can say that every community in this country had to have a 10-year plan Um, And yes, we need more collaboration, we need more coordination, but frankly, what we really need is more capacity. Uh, We have a huge problem across the country with lack of affordable housing and with the cost of housing outpacing what most families and individuals can make in income. So that's, that's the picture across the board. And then in addition to that, you have these situations where people are being harmed and don't have the resources, financial or otherwise, to move out and start a whole new household on their own. Um, And those who are immediately fleeing domestic violence, besides requiring finances, there's the whole issue of confidentiality and security and where can you go. Um, And you had mentioned earlier, there there are many ways besides violence 
that's physical. There are other kinds of violence. And Becky talked about some of the isolation that abusers use and some of the threats and the emotional coercion. But some of the other things are that abusers will use children and custody and citizenship um, and other anything that provides a place of power. Um, so all of those issues get interwoven as well. And we have survivors who are afraid to leave because if they leave, their abuser will report them um, and get them deported or threatens to take full custody of the children. So there are many different intersecting challenges for folks who are trying to find a safe place to be. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just a few layers that people, you're right, haven't haven't heard mm-hmm. enough. I'm glad we're talking about it today. Uh, we are talking this morning with LifeWire about domestic violence and its ramifications. Um, Let's talk about some of those programs that LifeWire then offers. Um, we mentioned like first month's rent. Uh, that's mm-hmm. awesome, right? I mean, I, and so you're a nonprofit. You must have to raise money to, to cover some of these. You talked we about do. advocates. These must be trained people. Mm-hmm. A lot of social workers and things must all be involved, right? I mean, yeah, we, we have a tremendously talented and very well trained staff of advocates who are trained to work with survivors and to work with people who are in the situation and whether they're ready to leave or not, support them. Um, You asked so many great questions at once. Yes, about 50% (laughs) of our funding comes from individual donations from, you know, private folks, and we are really grateful for that. We're fundraising all the time. Um, I will say we have a whole variety of housing programs from emergency shelter to the flexible funds that we were able to help Becky with to some transitional housing. But it also bears mentioning that for every household we're able to help with shelter or housing, we turn away 26 households who need it. Oh, my God. Say that again. For every household that we are able to help with shelter or housing in one of these programs, there are 26 households that we have to turn away. Wow. It's a huge problem. Yeah. So on the one hand, we are very proud of all the work that we can do and all the people we can help. And on the other hand, it's not nearly enough. Okay, and Becky, you volunteer with LifeWire. Mm-hmm. What kind of opportunities, what do you do? What kind of opportunities could people listening say, I, I can help a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So I've actually been volunteering uh, with LifeWire since 2012. My, my, I left my marriage in 2010, so uh, it took a couple of years for me to, you know, get on my feet enough to be able to sort of give back to LifeWire. But, um, yeah, I started volunteering actually for their big fundraising auction, the, the World of World of Hope. Yes, World of Hope Gala, which is in May every year. I think the second Saturday of May, first first Saturday. Sorry, first Saturday of May. That's a long um, way away. We'll yes. look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I volunteer for that. The Lifeway that whole event is uh, staffed by volunteers. So I, I help Lifeway run the silent auction, and uh, have gone to a, f- a few other things with Lifeway. Sort of um, doing a lot of sort of su- survivor speaking events right now to try and. Uh, spread the word and I I think from my perspective you know one of the biggest things I you know externally that I experienced in my marriage is that people don't talk about domestic violence Uh, so I'm just really glad to be able to be here today and share my story just because I want other people to hear it and know that they are not alone in this situation and that there is help out there and that there is hope uh, outside of domestic violence relationships. Yeah, so. and so let's give that number again. The hotline, this is 24 hours, right? 24 Anybody hour can call line. it. There's a local one here in the Puget Sound area. There's a statewide one that's like toll-free, right? Well, these numbers are actually both for the LifeWire helpline. Okay. Um, and there are, there are other numbers. There are statewide numbers. There are national numbers. But for LifeWire, the number is 425-746-1940 
or toll-free to LifeWire, 1-800-827-8840. And the person on the other end there can answer a variety of questions. I mean, people can call for a number of different That's reasons, right? right? And do. And, and you just said it's not necessarily the, the victim we're talking about might call that, but someone might call and say, I kind of, I'm worried about, you know, A, B, or C, my husband, my, my neighbor, my whatever. Mm-hmm. How do I talk to, I mean, what kind of questions can people feel there? Well, let me ask this. I'll, I'll play the dumb guy because I am most of the time. Um, you know, I, I see a situation. I say, what should I do? What's the first thing or what shouldn't I do? I think yeah. my neighbor is in trouble. I, I think that's a wonderful question. Um, what should I do and what shouldn't I do? I think the most important things really are the things we shouldn't do. Um, Pressuring a survivor to leave or asking why she won't leave or telling her what she should do Uh is not tremendously helpful. Um, It can add to the feelings of being shamed and of being controlled by other people. We should also never make survivors feel like the behavior of their abusive partner is their fault. That's a very old thing that's happened, and I think it's... It's subsiding, but it still happens. It doesn't matter what the survivor did. It doesn't matter what anyone did. They didn't deserve to be hit. They no. didn't deserve to be controlled financially. And I think that's a very important thing to say to people. It's not your fault. I believe you. Those are perhaps the most important things. It's not your fault. I believe you. And here's a phone number you can call to get help. Yeah. LifeWire. Okay, we are going to run out of time before too long, so I want to make sure we uh, we double up on things you want to say twice, or if we left something out, maybe something coming up, people can yes. participate Becky in or did donate to. Or... Volunteering, and there are actually many ways you can volunteer. But we've got to have you back. We didn't mention the children and the families involved. We, you know, it's so quick and easy to talk about one person, but this affects a whole family, and sometimes the mother has to leave with kids, too. So, That's right. Oh, so much has to be done. Thank you so much, Rachel. Becky, anything you want to say or maybe we didn't say uh, about this or something you always like to end with when you tell people your story? Oh, I just want to say, again, thanks for giving me a chance to speak out. And if anyone out there is wondering if they're in a domestic violence relationship then uh, you know, has any questions, please do call the LifeWire Help number. Uh, trust your instincts, and it's it's... You know, even if you think you might be in an abusive relationship, give LifeWire a call. Yeah, and I'm going to give the number again. Uh, so get your pencil or pen and write this down. If you th- any questions at all you think you, you need, they can be answered there at LifeWire. It's 425-746-1940 or uh, toll-free 1-800-827-8840 and the website LifeWire.org. I get all that right, Rachel? You did. Okay, thank you good. so much, Gary. Uh, yes, thank, thank you so you. much. We have been talking this morning with Rachel Krinsky, the executive director at LifeWire, and Becky, a domestic violence survivor and former LifeWire participant, but now an active volunteer with LifeWire. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and thanks for the great work LifeWire has been doing now for 35 years, right, uh, here on the east side and actually all over King County. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Becky, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Have LifeWire. Have a great day. Thank you. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.